Today's episode of Grad School Confessional is brought to you by endings. There are a lot of types of endings. Happy endings, sad endings, cliffhanger endings. And then there's some endings that give you an uneasy sort of feeling that lingers with you for years, where you're never quite sure how you feel about it at any given time. It's kind of like finishing a PhD. You're listening to Grad School Confessional, a podcast that explores the good, bad, and ugly of graduate school, directly from graduate students themselves. I'm your host, Dr. Yoasue. From awkward supervisor interactions to reviewer two horror stories, to convincing your parents why grad school was a good idea, we read out the confessions of graduate students from all over and chat about the realities of pursuing higher education. I'd like to welcome, for the first time, my co-host and freshly minted PhD recipient, Dr. Anna Sway. Anna is a PhD in health promotion, a field where researchers ask, what isn't health promotion? Well, as long as you can justify it to the granting agency, nothing isn't health promotion. Pollution? Health promotion. Mm-hmm. Protesting? Health promotion. Mm-hmm. NASCAR? Health promotion. How is, wait, how is NASCAR health promotion? Have you seen NASCAR fans? Yeah, okay, fair enough. Speaking of going in circles, seemingly forever, until crossing a finish line, Today's episode is a special one, in that it's our last episode of Grad School Confessional. We've taken a lot of time in between this episode and our last one, and that's because there's been a lot that's happened in between then and now. An ongoing war, transition to a new postdoc for both of us, getting COVID, and not least of all, successfully defending a doctorate. Hence, we feel it is a fitting end to this podcast journey to discuss the dreaded PhD defense and how to prepare for it and ultimately leave with a new title and false sense of superiority. So, Anna, or sorry, Dr. Sway, mm-hmm. how was your defense? I think it was pretty good. All in all, I would say it was much better than my master's defense. In which way? I think the committee was a lot more interested in my topic than my master's defense committee was. Um, I think it was a little bittersweet um, because it was great to finish. Uh, but also, I didn't really get to do it in person. It was a Zoom defense. And mm-hmm. as we've all learned from two years of Zoom meetings, um, people don't really interact between one another during Zoom meetings. And so mm. I was looking forward to these like conversations happening between my examination committee members and them going off on their tangents. And everyone just kind of stuck to their questions. And Oh, really? Yeah. I feel like we haven't talked about this either. I'm like learning this for the first time, too. <laughs> yeah, they they didn't really um, talk among themselves. Interesting. And yeah. do you feel like that's because, you know, at this level, you're kind of trying to draw from people who are like very sort of knowledgeable in a very specific slice of your PhD. And so, you know, they're not really going to overlap. Or do you think it was just kind of like the committee you had chosen? I think it was Zoom. I think it's really? just, yeah, it's really hard. So one of the things, and I don't know if this is common for other defenses, but um, my chair offered me the option for having everybody's cameras off except oh. for my camera and whoever was asking me the question to like uh, reduce the dis- distractions, I guess. Um, and I would I, find that to be more distracting. Exactly. It's <laughs> like a game of the gopher where they just kind of whack a mole and just pop up. <laughs> so whenever they pop up, they ask you about intersectionality. And you're like, no, not again. Um <laughs> No, but I I opted out for having everybody's face there because 
I, I didn't want to feel like I'm talking to somebody at the end of a tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wanted to have the illusion of us all being in the same space. Yeah. Um, and do you feel like you kind of accomplished that? Or do you think it's always going to be one of those things where like you never really quite replicate what it would be like in person? Oh, definitely. It's it's very it's very different. Um, I think one of the downsides of having a virtual defense is when you're in a room and you're sitting around a table, you can't look at everybody's face at the same time. Yeah. Like you just can't, unless you're a chameleon, you know? (laughs) Your eyes just going all over the place. (laughs) Exactly. But when you're on Zoom, you can see everyone's faces. And so whenever you start responding, like you're trying, you can't even make eye contact with the person you're responding to because like, where do I look? Yeah. but then also you see everybody's faces. And so there were a couple of questions where I started responding and I would see my supervisor and she just just telegraphs anything, yeah, anything yeah. she thinks. <laughs> and I would just see her face and she would like basically with with the inflection of her eyebrow react <laughs> to my responses. And I would be like, keep talking, keep talking. Her eyebrow would return to neutral. I'm like, okay, good. good, okay, good. good. <laughs> we're, in <a> good <laughs> we're in a good like space now. Yeah. Um. So that was kind of odd. That is a really good point. Like I had a virtual defense too, right? But mm-hmm. it was like almost two years ago now. And I don't, I don't quite really remember it. Just um, <laughs> like most traumatic experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. She's like, I don't, <laughs> I don't really know how I feel about it. Um. But yeah, I, I get that whole idea of like, because in a real defense, you can look at the person who's talking to you and you kind of agree to maintain eye contact with them. It's like a little social contract, right? You're yeah. just like, okay, you ask me something, I'm going to look at you. Yeah. But with Zoom, you're looking at your screen and you get to see everyone else like also look at how you're responding to the questions. And then you see somebody like look down and like the corner of their phone and you can't call them out <laughs> on it because they're on your defense committee. But they're clearly checking their text yeah. messages and you're like, you wouldn't do this in person. Yeah. And I think that's something that extends to more than just defenses. Like I think I haven't I can't remember the last meeting I was in that had more than three people where at one point I didn't just check my phone. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I also used to do it in in-person meetings. <laughs> but I'm it just... was like, but there's a strategy. In in-person meetings, you look at your phone and you kind of furrow your brow and you're like, oh, okay. And like, like you're getting an important email or something. Here, you're just on Twitter, just scrolling. <laughs> scrolling, you just see the thumb move. You're like, that's fine. In yeah. person, you kind of do it under the table versus here, you're just like, where does the screen cut off? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the cool things, though, is that, you know, COVID aside, um, the virtual defense has been really cool in the sense that you didn't have to go back to Ontario to defend. No, no, I didn't. And my uh, my committee was from all over in Canada. And so it's kind of like even if we were doing an in-person defense, we would still be doing it partially virtually because uh, two people, one of whom was my supervisor, uh, would have to call in because we she was in the Maritimes. So we had mm-hmm. somebody from Thunder Bay. We had two people from Ontario, but one of them wasn't in Ontario during the time. You had me from BC. So we covered all the time zones. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would still have to have the virtual component, even if I was in Ontario. Yeah. So yeah. it kind of made sense. Yeah. And I think it allows, you know, not just people who are uh, distance necessarily, but just anyone who wants to be able to um, call in experts from globally, right? Like if someone would be a good fit for your committee. I think having a virtual defense or at least an option to have someone call in virtually is really cool. You get to like draw yeah. on them. 
Yeah. And I mean, I think you should also, because it's like virtual and you have the technology at your fingertips, it should be like, who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> like, I feel like if you have a truly open defense and your friends are there, you should be able to like poll the audience. <laughs> phone a friend. You phone a friend. Uh, could like, I get a 50-50 on this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's... This is an open-ended question. Yeah. yeah I know. I know. <laughs> Can we make it semi-open? <laughs> I would be like on the last question, it's like, can I call can I call a friend and then just be like that guy who called his dad? It's like, hey dad, I'm about to be a millionaire. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. hey mom, I'm about to be a doctor. My mom is gonna be like, finally. <laughs> Get back from deliberation. So uh <laughs> I lied. <laughs> oh man. So moving away from the defense and kind of getting into your mindset, because you've you know, you're relatively fresh at this, right? Like you did your defense mm-hmm. last week, basically. Yeah. Um, did you have any worries pre-defense, kind of in those like upcoming week or two weeks? Before your defense date? Um, I had the standard, they're going to fail me. Yeah, fear. Classic, classic. Classic flavor. Classic flavor of failure. <laughs> um, I think because I knew my thesis better than anybody, I could see a lot more um, gaps potentially than even my examiners could. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a particular aspect that I knew I was going to get asked about and I knew I was going to have to defend. And I kind of rehearsed it and I overprepared. And then my entire, my first round of questions was a grill fest on the use of intersectionality in my work. And I thought I was going to get a question and it was going to be like, ask and answered. Mm-hmm. But we went on for an hour and a half. Kind of just like beating over the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, can I plead the fifth? Like at this <laughs> point? Because at this point, I'm like, I'm justifying it with things that I only briefly skimmed over the day before. <laughs> but isn't that what it means to be a doctor, you know, a PhD? Yeah. Just justifying things with things you only briefly read in abstracts? I was I was asked a question during the second round that I learned the answer to during the break because I Googled. Smart. See, and that's, <laughs> and that's something you wouldn't be able to do in a regular defense. Unless you went to the washroom or just like yeah. Googling answers. Yeah, no, I Googled it because I was like, oh, this is... I was supposed to do this this morning, but I was too busy. Um, yeah. yeah. And also, oh, the best part of uh, virtual defense. I didn't have to wear hard pants. I wore leggings. Can you explain uh, to our listeners what hard pants are? Yeah. Hard pants is anything with a waistband that doesn't like stretch twice its size. So like jeans are hard pants. Dress pants are hard pants. If you can wear a belt with it. They're hard pants. Right. Leggings are soft pants, which makes them superior in every way. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So you were just you just wear leggings, and I mean, no one has to see your bottom half, basically, right? Yeah, nobody saw. As far as I know, as far as I know, my chair was wearing a speedo. Like, <laughs> like he didn't prove me otherwise. <laughs> <gasps> yeah. No, that's, okay, that was interesting. So going into how you might have prepped for your defense, or how you had ended up prepping based off of like you know the fears and worries that you had was there anything that you would say was like oh yeah i would definitely do that again that was like a must do or was there anything like "Mm, i think this was kind of a waste of my time in preparing i actually don't think anything i did was a waste of time must be nice (laughs) my prep was very limited in the sense that i read through my thesis once cover to cover um to just kind of know what I did, mm-hmm. like a refresher. Um, and then I went 
through it. And I focused specifically on my analysis and psychology because those were the areas where you could ask the most questions. Like Mm -hmm. you couldn't really ask questions about the findings because even if you're like, okay, well, how did you arrive at this? Or, you know, the bigger questions of implications, you're still looking at method and you're Mm -hmm. looking at kind of how you conducted your analysis. So those were the two sections that I really, really dissected and Mm -hmm. had notes for myself and just made sure that I was super fresh on that. Mm -hmm. And then I had definitions and concepts just written out on sticky notes so I could go back to it and I actually forgot one and I had to dig through my discussion section because I didn't remember the term but I knew the thing yeah and I think importantly too like that's totally fine I don't think going into a defense especially doctoral defense anyone expects you to have like all of your stuff memorized it's more like are you able to kind of you know still speak to it or like find where you've made mention to it and expand on it in some like competent way um but yeah certainly i don't think that you need to memorize absolutely everything like there was a i remember this was one part of my defense i did remember where uh someone had asked a question about a theory that i only like the week before had learned and very like kind of sort of had in my mind um and so you know i kind of just mentioned it the theory and like one of the parts of it and i think that was enough like i think they understood that that's kind of what I was getting. I was able to apply that to yeah. my work. Yeah. Um, it's totally okay to consult your, uh, your dissertation during your defense. It's also totally okay for like any question really to say, that's a really great question. I'm going to take a moment to think on that, or I'm going to take a moment to write out my answer and mm-hmm. give it to you. And that's one of the ways you can Roll the tempo of the defense really well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's something I'd like to, to touch on a little bit is like this idea of tempo, this idea of pacing in a defense, right? I think maybe we go into it often thinking that, well, I'm basically going to get grilled. It's like an interrogation. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I think at this level, at least in our disciplines, it's much more of like a conversation. It's much more of like a... I don't know. First round did not feel like conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, for me, it felt like they were trying to know more about what I had done. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I was kind of trying to explain it. But then with these bigger questions, there's not necessarily one answer. There's not necessarily a right answer. But there are answers that really kind of demonstrate that you know your work and you know how that could, you know, potentially impact things. So, you know, I think having answers in your back pocket about not just what you did, but the larger implications of what you did and sort of how it relates to other things, especially what your examiner's expertise is in. I feel like that really. Yeah. Although I got to say the bigger questions that I got asked, I was not. That was very much like on the spot Mm -hmm. because the examiner that was asking them was like the wild card examiner Mm -hmm. where I couldn't go and ask people, hey, how is this examiner? Um, So what's a wild card examiner? It's like you can't prep for them. It's either. (laughs) No one knows what they do. (laughs) No, like no one knows how they are as an, as an examiner mm-hmm. because like one of my examiners was tough and she grilled me, but I knew that at the end, like I know what her threshold for passing is. Mm-hmm. So I knew I would be okay. And where our disciplines are adjacent, um, but there's still different disciplines. And so I knew I had some leeway there mm-hmm. that I wouldn't be expected to be an expert in some of these um, other theoretical constructs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, wildcard examiner is like, 
I guess you know their research, but you don't know them as a person. You also can't like find somebody. Yeah. Like you don't have that like one degree of separation where you can just like, you know, chat up somebody and be like, hey, what's this yeah. person like? Yeah. Cause I had that with my other examiners and it was really good and like relaxing going into it, being like, oh, okay. Like I know what the vibe is going. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I mean, part of that is because. You know, they are kind of internal to the university, right? Like mm. they at oh, least even the external, I knew what the vibe was gonna be. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. I knew what the vibe was gonna be with the external because I had read her doctoral thesis. Yeah. And based on the doctoral thesis, I saw who was on her advisory committee and mm. I was like, Oh, okay, I get it. Right. And like even even linguistically, like I looked at her thesis, I looked at my thesis, I was like, Oh, okay, we're from the same like, oh, both gotcha. of us are doing intersectional work but we're very much using the same frameworks. Right. So then maybe a good tip is just researching your examiners, you know, not just uh, not just the research that they do. Yeah. Like, like who yeah. they are as people. Because, you know, at the end of the day, they, they are just people that are kind of, you know, hoping to see if you know enough about your stuff. Yeah. Have you ever, okay, were, at any point during your defense, were you worried that you weren't going to pass? No. Okay. So So I guess my question then is, what would a good defense look like? What should it look like and feel like and sound like? Okay, so I think nobody should be crying. <laughs> um, it's okay if tears you, of joy, maybe. <laughs> it's okay if you vomit, but don't do it on your examiners. Uh, no, but for real, it it should feel more like a conversation hmm. than like you defending your choices. You should be able to justify why you did things a certain way, but. No, no, I think it's different. So my supervisor said that in in-person defense, um, you often have examining committee members kind of start talking among themselves and really like digging into the ideas and yeah. almost like debated among themselves. And then you just kind of let them do that. <laughs> just so, run down the clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just let them like tire themselves out. <laughs> um, but I didn't get that. And so I actually had like my, my chair did an awful job of... Um, maintaining the time and so everyone went over mm -hmm. and my defense took forever it was like four hours oh my gosh um it was super long but yeah it, it should be a conversation it should be a back and forth and i i feel bad because going into it i thought oh my nerves are gonna kick in my nerves are gonna kick in and then i started my public lecture and i thought okay where are the nerves and then nothing happened then I thought, okay, now that we're all in the examination yeah. room, now the nerves are going to happen. And they didn't. And I think it was because when I had submitted my dissertation, I just adopted the mindset of, I cannot influence the way my examiners are going to perceive my dissertation. Mm -hmm. I cannot control what they're going to ask. Mm -hmm. All I can control is the quality of the dissertation mm -hmm. which i already did yep. it's in yep. and i can control the prep that i do and right. so i did that and then after that it was kind of like that that's it everything yeah. that was in my control i've done you kind of like set up all the dominoes and you just kind of hope they fall in the right way yeah and i'm not gonna stress about the things that i can't control and i knew like again the way you write your thesis and the way you develop it you kind of know like there's no such thing as a perfect thesis mm -hmm. You know what the gaps are. You know where the questions are going to go. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can even leave purposeful gaps to kind of draw their attention to it. Like if there's something you really, really, really want to talk about, mm -hmm. 
leave it out or don't develop it as fully in your discussion mm-hmm. because somebody in your defense committee is going to go for it. And then you're like, oh, sweet, I can talk about this. Yeah, kind of like the whole bait and switch sort of thing. Yeah, except it's like bait and defend defend and fish. I, I, uh, I noticed you didn't uh, get human ethics approval for your study. Oh, Do you want to explain that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> not something that specific (laughs) but yeah you can like you can definitely steer your examining committee yeah yeah i hear you i hear you yeah so i mean it sounds like in the end there's a lot of preparation you can do but then you kind of have to trust that you're gonna you're gonna it's all gonna pay off and you're gonna be able to to speak to the thing that your examiners are gonna say yeah yeah and practice your public lecture Oh yeah, the public lecture. That's a, I don't think that's something that's always um okay. So for her listeners, what's the difference between a public lecture and a public defense? So everybody does a public lecture. So at least at our institution. Your experience may vary. Yeah. Some conditions may apply. Um so at our institution, a public lecture is something that everybody does and it's just an hour uh, between 45 minutes and an hour long presentation about your thesis and then you go into the defense which is the round the two rounds of questions mine was a closed defense which means regular people students can't attend it but sometimes you can opt out to have an open defense and so your friends or other people who are interested in Mm -hmm. learning more about the defense process can sit in on your question period and they can hear all the questions from the examiners mm-hmm. and how you answer them. And I really wanted to do that, but I guess it kind of slipped through my fingers and yeah, I didn't put in the right forms. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, you know, I thought about it too when I was doing my defense, but I honestly was worried more about my internet than anything else. Like with a virtual defense, there is a limited bandwidth and it's kind of like that one zoom call that you really hope kind of doesn't get dropped. <laughs> Right? Yeah, during my public lecture, I off the bat just went, okay, everyone, you're going to have to turn your cameras off yeah. because my computer is about to die. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And I like, I turned my camera off, like, I'm going to try this. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I mean, you know, I feel like technical difficulties are just one of those things that, you know, you have to just practice. You have to practice, you got to have a mock thing with some friends and send out the link to be like, okay, I'm going to go through this. Maybe not the whole thing, but just like, hear me out. Is it working? Do I have the yeah. slides right? Yeah. So for mine, I had a dual monitor set up, but on neither monitors could I like see the actual Zoom video. And so if Zoom froze, I wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah, yeah. Because I was sharing my screen and... That was terrifying. But then I thought, oh, somebody would say something, right? right? <laughs> if they did, you wouldn't know, though. <laughs> I guess I would have said something. I was watching it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You have my back. <laughs> yeah. So make sure you have some, like a friend watching your defense yeah. video as well. And also, um, during the public lecture, there's afterwards, there is usually a question period where the public can ask you questions about your research. <laughs> Quote, unquote, public. <laughs> public, right? Um but the examiners can't. And so this is a really, if you know there's a question coming up that you like just want to get out of the way, just plant your friends to ask you that question. <laughs> Hack so you, your defense. Yeah, exactly. So you can just like answer it and move on with your life. <laughs> Fair enough. So 
now that you're a doctor, now that you got the, the degree and the extra letters, what's next? Uh, <laughs> probably a nap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got how long to do your revisions? Like, you defended really early in the term, so you've got, like, a couple months to submit your revisions. I'm probably going to try to hammer it out this weekend. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But then afterwards, I mean, like, PhD to academia, PhD to more industry, more... Consult- oh, don't make me choose. <laughs> Everything, everywhere, all at once. I think I'll work on my postdoc for now. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So maybe for our listeners who won't get the chance to necessarily catch up with us and, and figure out what we're doing after this, what are we doing after this? We actually have... An identical postdoc. The same postdoc. Same. Same. Different. (laughs) But same. We're doing a hybrid postdoc between industry and academia. means we get to work with a company and um, work for them and help them develop some products. But at the same time, we're also going to be publishing academic papers. Everybody knows how we feel about that. (laughs) Um, And doing some other academic work. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, except, you know, the split is supposed to be closer to like, what do we have, 60, 40 or something like that. But, you know, with academia, that means we're basically doing uh, 80% here and 80% there. Yeah, it's two full-time jobs. That's fine. (laughs) Oh, it's a lot. It's a lot. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we got to kind of record one last podcast of these. And it feels fitting to kind of end with this defense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, while this is the end of our grad school confessional experience, it's not the end of our podcasting. So Anna and I are planning a fresh spin on a science communication type of podcast. So do keep an eye out for more details on Twitter at Grad Confessing or on his Twitter at The Swayway. Give me a follow. I follow back. (laughs) And until the next time, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Principal Investigator, amen. I'm done.